Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. This is not the first time I have been corrected. <laughs> Why doesn't everybody give a real quick sound check? All right. Testing, testing, testing. Good. Testing, testing. Good. Testing, testing, testing. Live from the best podcast in the English-speaking world on Step Collecting, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 337, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Becca. And a shout out to uh, Watermark number, excuse me, Watermark 7143. Thank you for listening to the show. The number one show. The number one show. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yes. Out of the top 10 stamp collecting podcasts in the English-speaking world, we are number one. And how many were actually uh, listed? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's only six listed, Mark. (laughs) And and I'm sitting there thinking, how valuable is being number one out of six rather than number one out of maybe a hundred? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when the the top ten, you don't even get ten. Ten. (laughs) (laughs) But we at least are number one out of the top six. We're the number... Let's say we're the number one stamp podcasting show. Yeah, I don't we're trust any rating a, ratings yeah. agency that puts us as number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a Cash's correction, so uh, roll out the intro. Listening to the Stamp Show Here Today podcast, the number one podcast. Yes. And heard you mention that MLK has not been featured on a Black Heritage stamp. That's not right. He was featured on the second one in 1979, Scott's number 1771. Harriet Tubman was the first in 1978. 
Uh, you are absolutely 100% correct. I am absolutely 100% wrong. I hope this doesn't ex- uh, affect our standings as uh, the top one of in here. We're now number two. We're now number two. We're now only 99.99% correct. <laughs> no, cash is only 99.99% correct. Well, there is breaking news, though. Yes, according to uh, Lynn Stamp News, uh, today, uh, January 25th, the USPS is releasing two stamps for Priority Mail and Express Mail on February 14th, an $8.95 Monument Valley and a $26.95 Palace of Fine Arts. So these continue in That's the, the uh, San Francisco Palace of Fine Arts, right? And these yeah. continue with the uh, with the tradition of the of the Priority and Express Mail stamps, uh, a very beautiful uh, appearing set. Um, they're all about the same size. But w- what's interesting to me is that um, the Postal Service has already announced that they're going to raise rates again in mid year of this year. So it's possible that these stamps will only be valid for use for just a few months. Yeah. And so, we sort of anticipated that they would do something like this. Right. So now the question is, is it a good idea to buy some of these stamps? I think that it is an excellent idea to buy some of these stamps. And if you can find them used within that period on an actual cover, yeah, that yep. would be a very, probably a very nice collectible. Yep. Well, looking back at the Bethesda Fountain, and also the Joshua tree from the same issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, postage, recent postage sells for like a maximum of double face. Usually it's like one and a half times face. Two collectors. Uh, Bethesda Fountain and Joshua tree are both at four times face. And that's a huge premium on a stamp. And again, with, uh, like I said on the last podcast, you know, if you're trying to guess which girl is the best looking in the beauty pageant and everybody's looking at me here weird because they haven't heard the, po- heard the podcast yet. <laughs> and, uh, cause it's coming out this Thursday. Um, you know, I think that this is one of the stamps that you could look back on and say, yeah, this is one of the pretty girls in the beauty contest. Right. So, and there's a possibility, I mean, I'm not, I don't recall if the USPS does this, but I believe that they will pull stamps off of sale once the, if the rate no longer applies. Yes. Well, what they do is they could do that, but generally what they do is they just don't replenish the supply. Like right now, if you went to the post offices and tried to buy the ice cave stamp, it's most likely that you would not be able to. Right. Because they're not going to order it for, for a, a rate that doesn't no longer applies. Correct. No longer so if you can find the ice caves, you know, go ahead. I picked up a couple sheets of them. Uh, but realistically, you know, they may be very hard to find now. And when these guys come out with the very short time horizon, you know, these are probably not going to be widely distributed and widely used because of the short period. And I'm wondering if the Postal Service will limit the production of these stamps knowing that oh, they'll, they'll probably be replaced. You know they'll do that. I mean, they're, they're always low production items anyway. 
in any case, they're low production items. Uh, in this case, it's a low production item that goes over a short period, though. So, all right. So, given the the latest news from China, then uh, once that supply dries up, we'll have to go to China for our yeah <laughs> Palace of Fine Arts twenty six dollar ninety five cent stamp. Uh, that's going to be. I wonder how that'll affect the uh, market because there will be fakes of these out there. I mean, guaranteed they're they're going to jump on it, right. but. They will have real ones and fake ones. And, you know, that's going to hurt the value of them, you know, if there's fakes, because people are going to be afraid of buying a fake. Right. So uh, I can't possibly see them getting certified, but maybe maybe certified copies of them. I mean, a cert's going to be 10 bucks. That, that seems excessive for a $100 stamp. Right. Or a stamp that might be $50. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, today we are going to speak about stamp scams, going back through the history of stamps. And uh, I, I'll start with the uh, one that most people get wrong, but everybody knows the name, and it's called the Ponzi scheme. <laughs> And what Ponzi did was they had these international stamp coupons. And what it was is that you'd buy, get this little coupon from the post office and you'd mail it with your letter to somebody in a foreign country. And then, because you could, like, let's make pretend you mailed a letter to a person in France and then wanted them to mail you back an order or fill out a survey or something like that. Well, you could, I guess, get some French stamps, but it, was, it would be difficult. So instead of finding current French stamps to put on the envelopes, you'd send them this little coupon that then they would go to the post office and say, here's my coupon. Can I have a French stamp? They paid for it over in the United States. And they're international reply coupons, and you can find them. They are listed in the Scott's catalog. They are collected. Um... They have two little postmark areas. Rarely do they have both postmarks in because when they get that second postmark, it means they got the stamp and then they used it as accounting paper and then burned it. But generally speaking, you'll see it. It'll have a cancel of where it was sold. And you really never knew where it was sent to. But you'll have international coupons with, you know, Italian cancels in the United States and stuff. And so you can collect them. Well, anyway, Ponzi was looking at it, and he was from Italy, and he noticed one day that a three-cent stamp in the United States could be exchanged for a four-cent stamp in Italy. He said, wow, you know, every time you did this, you'd make a penny. And this was in the 1920s when a penny was, you know, not much, but it was, you know, it's not a penny today. It, it was significant enough that it made a difference right. when you were buying something for a nickel. And so he said, well, and again, you know, if we did this a hundred times, yeah. now you're talking about a buck and a dollar, you know, that was rented a hotel. A hotel would charge you a dollar. So, you know, now we're getting into some significant money. And so he said, wonder if we bought like a bunch of these, cashed them in and took the profits. And some other people said, hey, that's a great idea. 
And so they gave money to Ponzi to do it. And we don't know if Ponzi ever actually did it, but he was getting all this money in. And then he was using money from the prior investors, quote unquote investors, to pay out the new investor. So the new investor, you know, would give him a hundred bucks and all of a sudden they'd get $10 profit. They go, wow. And it's like, yeah, except that that hundred dollars didn't come from what he was doing with the international arbitrage. He was just grabbing $10 from another person and handing it to you. And one of the things that everyone gets wrong is that Ponzi was not thrown in jail for doing this. Ponzi was not arrested for running a Ponzi scheme because there was nothing illegal about a Ponzi scheme. Nobody knew he invented the Ponzi scheme. That's why it's named for him. Yeah. So it wasn't illegal. There were no laws against it. He was thrown in jail for bank fraud because he was getting so much money. He set up his own bank in the state of Massachusetts. And originally he was charged in the federal court and found innocent. And then the state of Massachusetts said, no, 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 no. And so they charged him and Ponzi's going, no, no, that's double jeopardy. You can't charge me twice for the same thing. And the uh, state of Massachusetts said, uh, I got an idea. We're not charging you for running a Ponzi scheme. We're charging you for your Massachusetts banking, not following Massachusetts banking laws. And so he did go to jail and he did lose all his stuff. Um, he lost it because of bank charges. But that's what a Ponzi scheme is. And I go on the internet and I see a lot of people saying, oh man, you know, this is, this is a Ponzi scheme. And it's like, no, that's not. You have no idea what a Ponzi scheme is. A Ponzi scheme is not buying something low and selling it for a lot of money. As a matter of fact, if you sell the person something, it's by definition not a Ponzi scheme because the person gets a thing, mm -hmm. which will go into some of the other scams and uh, you'll see that those are sort of the case. Uh, Becca, you did one. So I... <clears throat> you scammed somebody? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, we better clarify that then. Yeah, really. <laughs> no, I found a post that there were ads for what were claimed to be discount uh, USPS stamps around Christmas time especially last year, and they were providing links. The people that posted the ads were providing links, and it was a whole phishing scheme. So if you if you clicked on the link, they were gathering your information that way, and they weren't really connected to the USPS at all. They could have similar names to the USPS, but they, they weren't actually the Postal Service. And so they were just using it as a data collection. Yes, yeah. Fishing. And then, of course, there's just flat-out selling counterfeit stamps like right. we've been discussing over the last couple of podcasts. Yeah. And you have the Scott's Catalog open to it. Yeah, there's a whole section of um, postal counterfeits. And we have seen here at PSE many more than is listed in the catalog, mm -hmm. especially in the later issues. Does the Z color or the z-shaped flag there's three or four different it's almost a whole page worth of those 
three or four different varieties of that. But um, there are uh, express mail stamps. We've seen um, commemorative stamps. The Hot Wheels stamp. The Hot Wheels stamp isn't in here. Supposedly the droid stamp is being counterfeited. We the have Sesame heard Street that. stamp. The Sesame Street. Yeah. Not Sesame Street. Oh. Not Big Bird. <laughs> Fake so, Big Bird stamps. So basically it, they've gone from um, the flag stamps and the forever flag stamps to counterfeiting just about everything that's coming out. Yeah. And I... I don't know. There's not going to be enough room in the catalog for it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Maybe they'll ju- they won't they will list the different varieties of the fakes, or they'll do it in much smaller print, one or the other. Yeah. They'll just say, this stamp fake. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm the, for those of you who don't know, I'm the president of the National Stamp Dealers Association. And so they mail in their dues and the dues are $75 a year. If you're a dealer in stamps or you, or if you're a significant seller on eBay, um, think about becoming a member of the national stamp dealers association, but two D two, two stamp dealers sent in their dues with counterfeit stamps. <laughs> so and, they're out there. But the, it, it was boggling to me because, you know, I get all the the dues come in, and you know they're all torn up, and everybody. It, it, by the way, the National Stamp Dealers Association is a national organization. There's a board and everything like that. The reason why they mailed the dues to me is because PSE has an office that is secure and everything. So that's the only reason. Um, but you know, all this mail comes in, and they're covered with discount postage. Right. Just. Tons of it, you know. No, no envelope has less than five stamps on it, you know, because that's or what denominations over about thirteen cents. Yeah, yeah, that's what stamp dealers do. Yeah, and then these come in. And it's like oh. well, I was thinking about that uh, as we were discussing it at lunch, and I'm thinking that this could have been totally innocent on the dealer's part because they could have bought either a collection. Or some discount postage that had legitimate stamps in it, also. Oh, guaranteed, these, yeah, yeah. And and I think that's the real problem with the counterfeits out there now is that they're getting so mixed up with legitimate stamps that the average person isn't going to even be able to tell. Oh yeah, I mean, there's no reason if yeah. you don't have a shortwave UV light. Yeah, you can't tell it. Well, the shortwave is the best way. Yeah. The best way to scan a bunch of them. No, you're absolutely well. The stamps that were that Becca was talking about, and uh, there are a uh, hundred of them for thirty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Discount postage is cheaper. Yeah, I mean, just flat mm-hmm. out, it, the discount postage most most people pay are like fifty percent. So why would you take a forty percent discount when you can get a fifty percent discount? So, you know, it was just interesting. The dealers have to be getting this in with their other stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think happened. (laughs) 
some people just don't learn about silence learning their phones. I know. Here I was trying to make sure I didn't make any noise over here. And, and that's why we edit. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of edits a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we had a lot of interruptions. Uh, anyway. Another one I was uh, talking with Ray, Ray Martin, uh, Quality Philatelics in Newport Beach. Uh, I was at the uh, Fullerton Stamp Show, and he was telling me about him going out to a elderly couple in San Diego area, and they had gold foil stamps. And they thought they were buying actual gold stamps. And he pointed out, you know, that they have so little gold in them that typically, I mean, even with gold at $1,840 an ounce today, um, you know, they may have less than five cents worth of gold because it's so small. And the fellow bought them for many thousands of dollars. Thinking he was buying like a ounce of gold or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And... Uh, after uh, Ray told him what it was worth, the wife went to the husband and said, I told you those weren't it worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things was that on all of, in he had all the receipts and correspondences and everything. There were no phone numbers and no addresses. Oh, wow. And that's an indicator. <laughs> I mean, we were looking at a... a it's sort of an internet company. Um, they have an address, but it's a UPS store. And they don't give any person name. So we go, well, you know, we're savvy computer people and he's got a website. Let's just track the website. And you can pay money to have your website uh, information hidden. It's a, it's a relatively small charge, but you can hide your internet. And we're sitting here going, if this person, I mean, it's one thing, you know, not to submit it or something. He took an active step to hide himself from an internet search on his web domain. And I'm going, this person is sophisticated and he's trying to hide. And that means that if this person does any sort of a investment sort of thing, uh, he's somebody that needs to be totally avoided. And he was sort of indirectly doing a kind of investment thing. And so I think that that's like a big indicator. Buyer beware. And in this day and age, that includes those kinds of things. I mean, it's really... Difficult to trace somebody if they don't want to be found. And with inflation coming up, there's going to be investment companies that are going to go and show, well, let's make pretend that the uh, new express mail and priority mail stamp come out. And let's say that they do indeed go up to four times face, just like the Bethesda fountain did. A company can come out and say, we are an investment company. We, you know, give us $1,000 and we'll invest it for you and we'll buy, you know, 100 sheets 
no, 10 sheets, sorry. <laughs> we'll buy 10 sheets of the uh, express mail stamp or I don't know what the number is. Uh, I don't, I think they're 20, whatever of the uh, priorities. And so you give them the money and they might give you the stamps. You know, the one investment we had or that we were talking about last time was you don't actually get the stamps. He puts right. the stamps on eBay. So you may not even actually get the stamps. But the question is, you know, and that guy, I'm not commenting about him. Uh, don't contact our attorneys, whatever. <laughs> this is not him. But the, uh, there are, is a potential of people out there who could do exactly that. And as a matter of fact, my next scam is a FISMA in Spain. And again, it's just like Ponzi. He didn't do any, they didn't do anything illegal. You can argue with it if it's unethical or whatever. But what they were doing was they were investing, with finger quotes, in recent stamps. And they would go, but they would go to a government, you know, Grenada or whatever. And they would purchase stamps at a discount, as much as 40% discount. Because, you know, discount postage and, you know, outside of the country. And uh, these countries do make, unfortunately, wallpaper stamps. And so then they were taking these stamps and putting them in their portfolio. And they were saying, well, what do we put? We're, we're, we're not. But if they bought, you know, $100 worth of stamps for $60 with a $40 discount, they weren't putting them in their portfolio at the $60, they were putting them in at $200. And they said, well, where'd you come up with the $200 price? And they'd say, it's in the catalog. Mm -hmm. Who makes the catalog? We do. <laughs> <laughs> so with FISMA making their own catalog and everything, so what, what actually was the downfall of, of FISMA then is the Spanish government, you know, somebody ran some numbers. Math is terrible. Math brought down Ponzi. Math brought down Gary uh, Madoff. Uh, math is uh, something tricky that you have to try to get around. And the person said, well, I don't think that they have this inventory. And the Spanish government looked at it and said, wow, this really looks shady. You know, we, we got to. Look at this. And they went in and they raided a FISMA. And they basically shut down the company and audited all their books. Well, the thing was is that they had all the inventory that they said they were going to have. Everything was there. It was all legitimate. So much time passed that they promised an 8% return uh, they promised that they would buy back the inventory and stuff. It could have been a Ponzi scheme, but it was never allowed to become a Ponzi scheme. It was seized up. And so they didn't break any laws. They may never have broken any laws. They may have been running a legitimate business and just hyping their inventory. But, uh, at this point, you know, they, they still have inventory. And this is years and years later. 
So, you know, but it, that's one where the government stepped in and trying to protect the people. And uh, again, you know, it, were they going to do illegal stuff? We don't know because they weren't allowed to go through as far as they were going to go through. I mean, was it a Ponzi scheme? Well, if they gave money to pay prior investors, yes, it would have been a Ponzi scheme. But they never did. And the question is, were they ever going to? And this government seizure just stopped them from doing it? Or were they legitimately going to be running things? But I have a problem with buying, you know, wallpaper stamps. Right. Because even if the government administrator sends you the stamps that, that that were part of the inventory that are your share, you're still you're still out the money. Yeah, exactly. You know, is sixty dollars worth of stamps on the books for two hundred dollars, you're guaranteeing yourself a better than sixty six percent loss. Yeah, so it it was that's a questionable scam. I mean a lot of people think it is a scam. Me, I'm always willing to give a person the benefit of the doubt that maybe they would have stepped up and started buying rare classic material and stuff like that, but they were put out of business. And that's a story that um, actually Richard Lehman, I read his article. He's a very big writer in Forbes, and he's also a very, very big stamp collector. And so Richard Lehman, and we've had him on the podcast before, uh, he's a person who... You know, you should recognize his name as it com- if it comes up in dinner table conversation. So what other scams are there? Well, not really a scam, but Canada came out with a new, uh, they've got, I believe, their own version of Black Heritage stamps, and they came out with an Eleanor Collins stamp. Gorgeous stamp. Uh, which uh, is a, uh, uh, she's a jazz singer, and in their stamp they have, uh, very much like our Black Heritage stamp, uh, they have the name of the person, the profile uh, of their of their picture, but then in the background they show a, a silhouette of the person with a microphone, so you can you can immediately see, okay, this person is a singer. Yeah. You know, and compare that to our, uh, our recent Black Heritage stamp, Edmonia Lewis, who was a sculptor, and there's nothing to indicate, you know, what she did. Yeah, and like I said prior, when I first saw that stamp, I I commented on Facebook. I said, I have no clue what this guy did. Is There's nothing here that tells what this guy is. And the first po- post was, um, it's not a guy, it's a girl. Right. And I go, well, then it's even worse. <laughs> right. But, I mean, if you're if you're at the post office and you're looking at all the new releases – you know, why would you buy the stamp? You know, even if you were an artist, you know, who loves sculpture, you know, and and and, uh, and, and you know, you would be glad to purchase the stamp of, uh, of someone who's a fellow sculptor. If you didn't recognize her name, you know, you wouldn't even know yeah. that this person was a sculptor. I think we've uh, addressed our opinion on the quality level of the U.S. postal issues, yeah. except for I do like the um, express mail stamp, the uh, arts building right. that's coming out. I do think it's a good stamp, but I really like the priority mail stamp. Yeah, That one looks great. And they've always done it. such a great job on these. 
Yeah, I love that Monument Valley stamp. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Very attractive. So it's hit or miss with USPS. Yep. It's to be expected. (laughs) Yeah, we weren't too happy about that. A couple of podcasts ago, we talked about that stamp, didn't we? Yep. Well, the the stamps that... The couple of stamps that I gave last year a fail rating to, and we I haven't seen the uh, lens where you vote on the stamps yet. Have you have you gotten a lens with the uh, voting? Usually they release that in January, yeah. and I haven't seen one. I haven't either. But the ones that I think were the very worst was the Japanese in World War, uh, the American Japanese in World War <laughs> Go II. Go for broke. Go for broke. Mm-hmm. Which uh, go for broke, you know that was the name of a 1972 uh, game show on TV, and it was a name of a 1964 board game. So I don't know why they're advertising that, <laughs> except that this Japanese unit in World War II also had it, but so did several other. Uh, units in World War II have exactly that one. So it was a very poor one. Then the picture, their original release had more detail, and they fuzzed out all the detail. Yeah, they definitely changed the look of the stamp from the the initial uh, design to the final product. And so my favorite, and you know, I put this up on uh, Facebook, and everybody thought it was a communist or something, there's a very famous story about a person, a, a Japanese-American, who was in Japan uh, when the war broke out and got drafted into the Japanese army, even though he was an American. And he went into the Navy, and his ship was sunk at Iwo Jima, and he gives accounts where he saw the American airplanes passing over his head while he's floating in the water, uh, clinging to a piece of wood and seeing these Jap or these American airplanes attacking the Japanese on Iwo Jima. And I thought it was a fantastic story. And I shared that on Facebook and they go, no, 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 no. They're not commemorating Japanese Americans that fought on the side of the Japanese. They're commemorating Japanese Americans who fought on the side of America. And I said, no, they're not. Look at the stamp. There's nothing on the stamp. So I gave that one an F. The second one I gave an F to was the uh, Le Guin stamp. Because, again, it, it, it looked like it was going to be a great stamp. It showed a picture of the lady. And then next to it, it was like an Arctic image, and it shows these people trekking through the Arctic. And you go, wow, you know, she's some Arctic. Uh, I can see it. A, a woman Arctic explorer. That's a great subject of a stamp. And then I read about it and it's not, she's an author and she wrote about a alternate universe where people flip genders on a daily or weekly basis. Like one day you're a guy, the next day you're a girl. And that was the big thing about it. And, you know, and I'm going, I got nothing of that stamp or nothing of that on the stamp. As a matter of fact, the stamp lied to me. So those are my two Fs. My A's. 
maybe, maybe absolutely the express mail. Maybe Lens just isn't sending that issue to you anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably a smart move. Yeah. <laughs> probably a very smart move. Well, like we said, uh, the USPS is putting out a uh, podcast. Oh. And I'm wondering they're if they're going to be number seven. They'll be number seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I wonder if they're going to talk about how uh, sucky their stamps are. <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, any other scams that anybody has seen? I mean, other than like uh, the Saratoga. Um, what did they call them? The Saratoga chain, the Saratoga. I forget what it was, but I know it was Saratoga. They would buy stamps on eBay. And then add grills, enhance the cancels, reperf them or whatever, and then put them back up on eBay. So you could literally see the prior stamp on eBay and see the stamp today and literally compare them side by side, see that it's exactly the same stamp, except that this one has a grill and this one doesn't. <laughs> and it was the Saratoga chain or something. Somebody's listening has to be able to email me in and remind me of what the name of it was. But they went out, they were put out of business in uh, decades ago. But that wasn't so much scam, a scam, that was just stealing. Yeah, that's, that's the ultimate counterfeiting there, isn't it? Yeah. As opposed to uh, actually trying to scam you about something. Well, Again, there they're trying to steal 25 bucks from you. Mm -hmm. And the scammers are trying to steal tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. So, and they're going to come. When we see them, we will report them because that's, that's a big indicator of where we are on the curve with inflation and investing. Is there are certain things that are going to tell you where you are in the cycle. And one of them is a prolif, prolif, tongue-tied, a prolif, a proliferation of investments in stamps. When you start seeing that, you know you're at a point where you should probably think about not spending a lot of money on stamps. It's time for you to fill in those cheap holes in your book, not the expensive ones. And again, that's years away because. A cycle like this, you know, could very easily last 10 years. Given COVID, that's a long time. Yeah. We may not all make it to then. Probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that cheery note, I guess we're done. <laughs> we need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots 
lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.